This is Keep It Simple, a weekly discussion of significant issues regarding the Word of God and His people. Our host is Pastor Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Pasadena, and the Simple Truths Radio Ministries. Good day, and welcome to Keep It Simple, weekly internet talk show of the Simple Truths Radio Network, featuring Pastor Xavier Reese in the ministry of Calvary Chapel in Pasadena, California. Good day, Pastor Xavier. How you doing, Tony? I want to welcome everybody out there in the uh, radio world. We pray that you're uh, expecting God to speak to your heart as we get into the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Glad to have you back here with us. Missed you for a couple of weeks there, but uh, God is so faithful. Uh, joining us in the studio today, our production engineer, Jonathan Duran. Good day. Welcome to episode 98, everybody. Wow, we're sneaking up on 100. We That's are. Great. 100 episodes. Our very special guest today, Pastor Mario Alvarez, one of the uh, uh, servants of the Lord here in Pasadena. Pastor Mario, how are you doing today? Good, good. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. A few weeks ba- back, we began our examination of uh, the believer's position in fellowship, the believer's function in fellowship, kind of an overview of several studies and the basic foundations in the Christian faith series. And today we're going to continue that and spend some time looking at the gifts and the believer in fellowship. And so we're really going to examine the issue of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Xavier, you mentioned in the materials, the basic foundations series, that there probably is no other area that has been more abused and more misunderstood in the function of the church than the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Is that still true today? I think it is. Um, again, the gifts, um, um, at one extreme you have the um, extreme Pentecostal uh, camp that uh, believes everything is of the Spirit without any discernment which is led by a lot of emotionalism and experience-oriented things that go on in their life, attributed to God when the Bible is very clearly uh, stating that it isn't of God. And then you have on the other end of the spectrum those who teach and believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit were only for the first apostolic age, called cessationists, or, um, you know, the first century church. So... Uh, so they function in the body of Christ more on natural abilities and talents, and they attribute the learning of intellect and wisdom and experience as part of that supernatural, but it's different. It's a contrast. There's a, a very clear contrast between the natural and the supernatural. Amen. Every one of the gifts are supernatural gifts. They are not talents. They are not abilities. They are supernatural gifts endowed by the Spirit of God to the individual severally as God wills for the working of ministry. Amen. You know, it's interesting, and I, I really haven't in our conversation today developed much about the Pentecostal issue. And I know that in, in your life as a believer early on, you spent time in Pentecostal churches and saw the function or the um, misfunction. Yes. Of how the gifts were, were conducted. Yes. And you, you cited specifically emotionalism. But the other thing is that you see a lot of people attracting attention to themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's a real indicator that there's something amiss because the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. Right, right. And again, every generation, again, we, we I don't know what happened 100, 200 years ago. Right. But people are people. God is God. God never changes. Neither do people. 
And the scripture's okay. consistent. And the scripture's consistent. Absolutely. That's the plumb line. Yeah. And if in my own lifestyle and lifetime, I've seen the both extremes and the many in-betweens, Mm-hmm. And then we drop the plumb line, the word of God, and we judge it by it. Then we can see where people are off. Now, let me say that everybody's off somewhere. We just don't know where. Amen. Nobody's perfect. But the scriptures are given to us. And if they're given to us, the implication is that they can be followed and gui- as a guide. And they can be examined if you're on target or not. If we cannot be sure of the scriptures, then the measurement would be invalid. Right. It would be a joke. Right. Okay? Well, what's the use of having the right. scripture? So believers have the mind of Christ. They have the Holy Spirit. They're able to judge the word of God in its context, what it's directing, what the subject is. And it's very, very clear. Again, the Bible is monosyllabic. Yeah. Uh, many people learn to read from the Bible. Right. Slaves. uh prisoners, whatever, People to every with a, generation. a second-grade education right. can essentially so take the they scripture. can read the Bible. Yeah. Okay? Jesus didn't come to speak to the intelligence of the world. He came to speak to common people. He came mm-hmm. to the fishermen. He came to the people in the marketplace, um, prostitutes, um, tax collectors, whoever, and the multitudes. And he spoke very clearly, very plainly. Um, the parabolic ma- method of teaching changes a little bit, but nevertheless, it was not to hinder the seeing or the understanding, but it was to enlighten and to provoke understanding for what is being said. So the word parable simply means para alongside boldly to throw. You put something next to something you do know, and in knowing what you do know, you'll know what you didn't know. That's what a parable is. Mm-hmm. So we're not to sow seed. They see that. They understand. It's an agricultural uh, community. They understand. A guy out there throwing seed. The ground's been broken up. Seed's going down. Some takes, some doesn't take. Some takes because it's good ground. Some doesn't take because it's rocky ground, because it's thorny ground, whatever it may be. A very common understanding. So then you put that alongside of the proclamation of Jesus, and you understand what he's doing with the gospel. Right. Amen. Amen. You know, Pastor Mario, uh, a couple of moments ago, Pastor Xavier made reference to the fact that uh, everybody's off somewhere. That's right. I just love the aspect of humility that that brings into a whole ministry. Because Pastor Xavier is a pastor teacher. He is the, the individual that we believe God has anointed to lead and direct the work here at Calvary Chapel of Pasadena. And for him to have that attitude towards the work of ministries goes forward, it really trickles down. Do you see it in the other ministries that work here at the church? Um, how would I answer that question? Um, of course, I think uh, uh, it's reflective with everybody. Uh, as they see the pastor, his attitude, his approach to Scripture, uh, they take on the same perspective. And I've seen um, people learn the word and stand on the word as Xavier does. Mm -hmm. And also to not afraid to uh, question themselves or to look further into what the understanding of the Bible teaches. That's important. I mean, that's what the Bereans did, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, And what you say about, you know, uh, um, everybody knows they're uh, wrong somewhere, probably, you know, because we aren't perfect on the same token, though, you can't be afraid to stand up for what you do know is true and to, um, uh, have, have a, a confidence in the word Amen. that it teaches what it teaches and you know the plain simple sense of what it wants to say that's yeah. that's yeah. equally as important and, and some people think that that humility and, and um 
and an affirmation of confidence are contrary. They're not. No. I I understand that I'm not perfect. I understand that uh, through the years I've changed in my views on two or three things because the and you context. And you acknowledge that. And I acknowledge that. Yeah. And I presented it to the people and everything else. Amen. And we correct that. But it doesn't stop me from being very, very bold, very strong yeah. in the Word of God. I, I never apologize for God's Word. I apologize for my mistakes. Sure. My misunderstanding of something, but never for God's word. So, and this is what's lacking much in the church today. Um, this is with the, um, with the emergent church movement. It's all subjective. It's, uh, it's interpreted on the, on the background of, um, culture. Right. Um, there's no substance to what's being said. The word is twisted. It's spun. And, uh, and, and that, that is the thing that's going to eventually cause the modern church to embrace homosexuality. Oh, it's and, already there. Yeah. Because, because the argument is reason, uh, logic, and emotion. Yeah. It, and it's based on believing that man is good. Mm-hmm. The majority of people in the church today do not believe man is evil. They believe man is good. Well, the okay. Bible says... Man is good for nothing. <laughs> yes. His heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. Jeremiah 79. God says in Genesis 9, 6, 5 or so, He says that His heart is evil continually. Jesus says from the heart comes evil thoughts, fornications, adultery, so on and so forth. Uh, Ephesians 2, 1 and 2 says you were dead in trespass and sins. Amen. Romans 3 says there's not one good, not one, not even you who think you are. And the guy who wrote most of that stuff, the Apostle Paul, he was as religious as you could be. Absolutely. And he acknowledged. His... He said that what, what provoked him? The light of the gospel of Jesus Amen. Christ. Amen. If you measure yourself to religion, to philosophy, to whatever it may be, and, and atheism and, and evolution. So it's a religion. It's a belief system. It is. It puts you in the driver's seat. You have a moral, um, self-guiding uh, ability because you're good. Yeah. And if you deep, dig deep down, you will find that goodness. The, the longer you dig and the deeper you dig, the Bible says, the uglier it gets. <laughs> it's true. So it's a complete opposition. Yeah. But people want to believe that course, people are basically good. And they want to look at others and think, well, no, I'm not good, but this right. guy, he is. Right, right. Yeah. And you have that contrast. And, and you know, we teach the, the people of God, the Word of God, what this says. And it goes back to the origin. The first 11 chapters of Genesis are the foundation. Amen. There's nothing taught new after the let's just go to chapter 12 with the call of Abraham, the second call, right to there. Those chapters are the foundation. There's nothing else new taught after that. There, there's a promise of salvation. There's the fall, the reason for all that's going on, the creation, uh, the redemption, uh, the, the prophetic aspect of the coming, first, second coming of Jesus. It's all there. Everything's there. Amen. The rest is just kind of, it's progressive revelation. Right. It, it's, it, no one prophet, no one book has all the parts. It's only one part to the whole. And like then geometry says, uh, the, the whole is equal to some of its parts. No part is greater than the whole. It fits perfectly. Amen. And then Jesus is the fulfillment of that. And so... That foundation is, is crucial. That in me there's not one good thing. I am a sinner. I'm a rebel. I'm an enemy of God. And when the gospel of Jesus Christ comes upon me and I hear it, God gives me the ability by virtue of the fact that I am hearing the gospel. The implication is that God allows me to understand whether I will accept the understanding and agree with God. That is my free will choice. God does not force me to accept 
or reject the gospel. If he forces me to go to heaven or forces me to go to hell, how can he be a holy God in judging me? Amen. He can't. Amen. And so even though the book of Ephesians talks about predestination, never is that an indication of God's predeterminate work in contradiction to the will of no. the No, predestination is based on his foreknowledge. Amen. His foreknowledge, his, his omniscience. His foreknowledge is an extension of his omniscience. Right. Omniscience is a greater attribute there. Yeah. They're all uh, to his perfection. He's all-knowing. He can't learn nothing. Yeah. He can't uh, increase. He can't decrease. And his foreknowledge means he knows things before they happen. So when they happen, he declares them and he knows there's God. Simple. Amen. Some of that is extended to prophecy. Yeah. The amazing thing, you know, the first 12 chapters of Genesis, is, as you just said, it just is such a testimony to the importance of Scripture. And this idea that we're talking about today, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and as you mentioned, the secessionists yes. to cease, to stop, the people who believe that those gifts are no longer in function, on some level, this really is an attack against the Word of God. Sure. It's a contradiction. so much in the Scripture about the gifts of the yeah. Spirit. How and, and we're not talking about... Nobody. These are really prominent men in the Christian world. Yes. Uh, Dr. John MacArthur, Charles Stanley, Chuck Swindoll. These are people who are uh, notable in the Christian community. And they're all claiming that the gifts of the Spirit, which are so attested to in the Scripture, are not functional. And much of those are because they follow their denominational stand, their doctrinal stand. Amen. And so they follow a denomination. And when they come to the text... They interpret it in the way they've been taught to interpret that text, and they're violating the very principles of hermeneutics, a big word, science of interpretation. Right. And you take a you take a passage, and you look at the like a triangle. The bottom is a context. On one side you have culture, on the other side you have language. So that that letter was written to a set time, to a set people, for a set purpose, with set problems or set attacks or whatever it may be. And if you if if you find that context and remain in that context and examine the language, especially the Greek language is very specific. It has many different tenses and voices and, and different things. And then the culture behind it, then you can you can find out what it meant to the people that day. The Germans have a word, Zetzeleben, life situation. That was written for there. Once you find that out, then you can make the application, sometimes straight across, sometimes because it's not the culture is no longer demanding that that crisis and solution, then it's applied in principle. The easiest, and I always use it, is in Corinth. You know, you have the Temple of Aphrodite, mm-hmm. and you have these women who are prostitutes, and they come down at night, and they let their hair down and sell their goodies. And... And, and Paul the Apostle is confronting the Corinthian women and they're saying, listen, ladies, now you're, you're new creatures. Okay? And you live in Corinth. And if you're coming to church or you're on the street at night and if you don't wear your veil, you're going to be confused as one of these prostitutes. The veil signified that you have a covering. You're married. It said, don't confront me. That's a cultural thing. Right. So we understand them with the culture. Now, here in Pasadena, we don't have a temple of Aphrodite. No. So we don't tell women to put on a veil, right? So then how do we make the application once we've given the exposition of the cultural day and the problem? Mm-hmm. Then I say, ladies, 
honor your that that veil's a, a symbol of covering husband right. over her. Yeah. So you say, ladies, honor your first of all God, but also the extension of your husband because the context is husbands. How you dress, how you speak, how you conduct yourself in public. In principle, you apply it. So there's one interpretation to Scripture. Many applications. Amen. Amen. There's very few texts that can fit in my right hand that have two to three interpretation possibilities. Mm -hmm. They're very clear. One interpretation. Once you expound that text, it'll mean the same today when I teach it as it will 500 years from now. And for the most part, in reading the Scripture, we're going to... We're going to understand that as we right. read through it simply. You know, as you, you said, you know, the scripture is basically monosyllabic, syllabic, syllabic. So anyway, <laughs> it's, it's easy to read. <laughs> Pastor Mario, if you were to read the New Testament yes. without any input from anybody else, do you think that you would come to the conclusion on your own that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not to be operated today? No, I don't think you would. I think, as Xavier says, it comes from your background and such. And I think for a lot of those men who teach that the gifts have ceased, uh, they, in their mind and the heart, they can't find any other way but to teach what they've learned. Mm -hmm. uh, it would almost be as they would become traitors in in their um, in their thinking. And uh, um, no, I don't think I don't think you do. You, point to me a scripture that teaches that. You know, you find that these teachers, when they do teach that, they are they pick the ver the verses that they say are no longer today. Obviously, right. the yeah. pastor teacher is for today, aren't they? I mean, yeah. are you going to yeah. do with, yeah. that, with that as well? And of course, you're not. That's a good um, point. That that being said, you know, you're, you're not going to find a verse that's going to teach opposite. Right. And, you have to really go out of your way to distort the scripture. You do. You have to. Um, when that which is perfect has come. Yeah. And they know. say that's that's talking about the word of God. No. Yeah. In the context, talking about Jesus Christ. Exactly. And all of them are very brilliant men and they know that. Mm -hmm. Paul the Apostle also says, does everybody have the gift of teaching? It's a rhetorical question. No. Right. Do all have the gift of tongues? No. No. Every gift, he never says it ceases. He just points out that the gifts are diverse. Mm -hmm. They're distinct. They are collectively one for the body, but different functions, different operations, as God wills. Never, never would you get anything out of first, uh, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, or 1 Peter 4, 9, 10, that the gifts would cease after the first apostolic church. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Because if he, when he gives us the uh, direction and correction of 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 12, 13, and 14 with the problematic gifts of tongues and interpretation and mm -hmm. prophecy that were a problem in the Corinthian church, he lays out the way to orderly manifest them and how to judge them. Mm -hmm. Now, if that fit for the first apostolic church, why would what why, what would make it not for the following until the Lord returned? Amen. Good and question. If, if the first century church needed the gifts of the Holy Spirit, did it get so mature and so perfect by natural realm that it no longer needed it for the rest of the remaining time? Don't we wish? That's ridiculous. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely that's, ridiculous. That's one of their arguments is that it was needed to establish the initial, uh, the beginning of the right. Christian church. But it, it, if you really stop and think about it, the church is being established every new every, every day, day in different right. areas and different uh, Absolutely. Uh, 
People who have never heard the gospel before. That's right. Yeah. And people uh, that believe because they see miracles as opposed to God speaking to their heart, you know, are going to be flaky at best anyway. But that being said, um, they, the, um, lost my train of thought here. The, uh, um, the gifts are given to benefit all. At all times, in all right. ages. Amen. You know, it never Amen. ends. It never yeah. stops. In fact, in the, the New Believers uh, material, the Basic Foundations course, that's one of the scriptures that you give, uh, 1 Corinthians twelve seven, as an identifying mark right. of what actually is a gift of the Holy Spirit, right. things that benefit the whole body. Right. Even if you take the gift of tongues, is there such a misunderstanding about the gift of tongues? Um, many people point to Acts 2 right. as the gift of tongues. Right. Well, if you examine the text in its context and the language, they heard him speak in their own dialect, mm-hmm. dialectus. Mm-hmm. You, and it gives you the list of every different nation that was there. These are all proselytes. And it's the gift of hearing, not tongues. They're, he He's speaking and they're hearing in their own dialect individually. Mm-hmm. So this is really not the gift of tongues. No, it operating. isn't. Because the gift of tongues, Paul tells us in Corinthians um, chapter 14, that when a man or woman speaks in tongues, no one understands him, not even themselves. Uh-huh. He speaks mysteries. Okay? So you hear many testimonies, even among the Calvaries, mm-hmm. that um, someone got up and spoke and perfectly... Uh, eloquent French or something. Right. Well, that would be a miracle. Right. That's not right. tongues. Right. When someone speaks in their prayer language, tongues, prayer language, they're synonymous. And right. Paul uses it like that in that chapter. Amen. When they speak, they do not know what they're saying. The Spirit understands. Now, if God decided to want that interpreted, now when I'm speaking in tongues, I'm speaking up to God. If an interpretation came of that, it would have to be the same direction, up to God. Majority and the usual experience is that someone will get up in a Pentecostal circle, speak in tongues, and then someone will get up and direct their message to the congregation. That's prophecy. Amen. That's not the interpretation. If it is a true interpretation... It is speaking glory unto God, giving thanks to Him, and it's up to God. Prophecy is directed to the body. Right, from the Lord. Right. So, when that tongue is interpreted by the Spirit through someone who gives the gift of interpretation, as it's going up to God, it, it serves as prophecy in that it edifies, exhorts, and comforts. Right. But it's not prophecy. No, no. So, it has to be Distinguished and differentiated. Can somebody in a service in a public setting give a tongue? And let's say there is an interpretation, but that person is shy or, or is afraid to give it. Yeah. Could that tongue? I mean, it could still be if it was directed to God. Could it still be a legitimate? Tongue? Sure, I believe that God will do is if, if someone stands up and speaks in tongues, mm-hmm. and God would desire to have that interpreted, mm-hmm. then. If, if if someone is being prompted by God to speak God, but they're intimidated not, I believe God will go to someone else. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when that person stands up, that person will know, doggone it, I had it. Sure, sure. Now, decent in order, the person who spoke out, 
was an instrument for the body to be edified and uplifted and encouraged. And the person who didn't yield to it has just learned to discern the voice of God. Sure. There's a benefit. Sure. And Scripture also tells you, unless there is someone there to interpret, remain silent. Right. So mm-hmm. right. it gives you instruction. So if you mm-hmm. get up and you speak and no one stands up, then that's it. You let it go. Sure. No big yeah. deal. Sure. You don't sure. force things. Sure. Okay. Now, some of the gifts Pastor X are not as clearly supernatural as, for instance, like the gift of prophecy or gift of tongues. How do we differentiate between a gift of the Holy Spirit and uh, some personal ability of some sort or another that a person may have. Well, again, ability. Um, um, let's just say you're a very um, uh, nifty craftsman with wood. Right. You're very talented. You know, I mean, you you've gone to school and that, but you have some natural talent, ability, and you, you do beautiful work. Um, well, that that's not a gift of the Holy Spirit, but many people will classify it so as a Christian. Now, God may give you the gift of giving, and you may be this woodsman that just you know a craftsman that's excellent and and in your benevolence through your gift of giving you would do perhaps some work for some people give things away or whatever it may be that would be the gift and it's interesting all the gifts are supernatural again divinely endowed uh, but yet people do cluster and and, and are drawn to the more powerful gifts the vocal gifts tongues interpretation prophecy and miracles but in the 40-some years, I've, I've never had anybody come up and ask me to pray for them for the gift of giving. <laughs> and that's just a supernatural, right? Amen. All right? And certainly useful to the because, Lord. Because we want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want people to think that we're spiritual, yeah. which demonstrates that we're really carnal. Amen. All of us. You know, it's a supernatural. Where God does His work, this is the work of God. The church of God is His church. He calls out. He puts it together. It's a supernatural work of God. And so are the gifts of the Spirit of God. Uh, so the gifts can enhance talents and abilities. But we ca- we cannot add to it. Like you have the list of the list of of, of, of gifts, spiritual gifts. You cannot add and say, well, then there's the gift of, in, a gift of music. And I, no, it's not there. Amen. Yeah. And many people say, well, I have the gift of music. No, you don't. You're talented. God may give you the gift of, 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 of leading and worship through the other gifts of the Spirit of God. But the gift itself of music is not your gift. It's not in the Scripture Amen. at all. So there's a lot of confusion that goes on. You know, and they attribute the things of man to the things of God. And that such is not the case. Amen. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Keep It Simple, and we'll be right back with you after these messages. The annual Simple Truths Conference is coming to Calvary Chapel, Pasadena on Saturday, October 13th, exploring the important issues of marriage and parenting in a difficult world. Hi, this is Pastor Xavier. I want to invite you to the Simple Truths Conference. We're going to look at marriage, husband and wife, raising children. We want to deal with the culture at large, the complexity of blended families, all the things that are needed. And you need to understand that God's truth is objective truth. It's the same for every generation in spite of the culture. Discover the tools to building a godly home at the Simple Truths Conference 2018, featuring special guest speaker, Pastor Terry Lebo of Calvary Chapel, Rialto, Saturday, October 13th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. An optional lunch will be available from The Habit for $10. For more information, log on to CalvaryChapelPasadena.com for the Simple Truths Conference and join with the family of Christ and discover His purpose in your family. Or hear the conference broadcast live on Simple Truths Radio from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Pacific Time, October 13th. 
come to Simple Truth Conference and see what God says to you. Pastor Xavier Reese with the Simple Truth. E.M. Bounds stated, When the church is in the condition of prayer, God's cause always flourishes and His kingdom on earth always triumphs. When the church fails to pray, God's cause decays and evil of every kind prevails. Wow, where else can we go but the prayer? Check the online program guide for Pastor Xavier Reese's daily expositional studies here on Simple Truths Radio at CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, Jesus said. And the rain fell and the floods came, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Pastor Xavier Reese says by allowing the Lord's wisdom to guide us in our relationships, decisions, and priorities, we find that he provides the most trustworthy foundation any life could be built upon. And that's why he's presenting a teaching series on the basic foundations for the Christian faith. In it, he explains the importance of the Word of God, the gifts of the Spirit, the function of prayer and worship, and so much more. The Basic Foundations for the Christian Faith is a 12-message series available on audio CD for $32 or an MP3 disc for just $10 in the online store of Calvary Chapel, Pasadena. Look for the Basic Foundations for the Christian Faith series when you browse the online store at calvarychapelpasadena.com. We return now to Keep It Simple and this week's discussion, Addressing Issues of Consequence for the Church, hosted by Pastor Xavier Reese of Calvary Chapel, Pasadena. And you're back with us here. Keep it simple. Today we're having a discussion, Pastor Xavier, our special guest in studio, Pastor Mario Alvarez with us. And we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, speaking of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we have an event coming up this this coming Saturday, the Simple Truths, our annual Simple Truths Conference. 20th annual, by the way. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. We're and getting we're, old. That <laughs> <laughs> went by quickly. Really excited. You know, the theme is uh, marriage and parenting in a difficult world. And it would be ludicrous for us to believe, Pastor Xavier, that you and our special guest speaker, Pastor Terry Lebo, could, from your vast experience, just speak to the need of every single person who comes in or those listening over the Internet. But the Holy Spirit, on the other hand, right, has right. that ability. And, and that's very important. You know, we've been in ministry since um, 1980 as a church. Um, I was born again in 1973, and three years later, I was uh, in ministry. So you're talking about 42 years in ministry uh, constantly in the movement of Calvary chapels until the death of Pastor Chuck five years ago. And um, and when, when we taught on marriage way back in 1980, 83, 85, and we did the series on marriage, uh, I was 30, 34, 35, 30 when we started, and then on with the years. And I taught what the Bible teaches about marriage Amen. with all the authority. Now... 42 years later, I am teaching the same thing, but with greater understanding of experience. Yes. But the, the, the truth has not changed. No. The objective truth is there. My confidence is even greater based on experience and the reality of this fallen world, my sinful nature, the problems that I as a believer can still bring into my life, into my marriage, into other people's lives. Because that's a warfare. We, we are fallen people. Um, 
if I don't walk, and we're talking about supernatural gifts and that, if I don't walk in the spirit, I will walk in the flesh. Mm-hmm. It's A and B. There's no C. So um, I have to walk recognizing my need of Christ. As Paul said, O wretched man that I am, who, not what, who shall deliver me from this body of death? In that declaration of Romans 7, many people, the majority of people teach Romans 7 as uh, spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. It is not. Romans 5.12 all the way down to the end of chapter 8 is called reckoning the old man dead. All right? In chapter um, 5, you're justified. In chapter 6, he says, now you have two natures. Your members, you can yield to the flesh or to the spirit. In chapter 7, Paul gives an autobiographical sketch of his own life. As a Christian, mm-hmm. I, 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 27, 28, 9 times, something like that. And he is trusting in himself that he still can do it. And he comes to the end of himself as a Christian. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me with the body of death? That picture, that metaphor, that body of death was what they did back in those days. If a person killed a person, sometimes they would take that cadaver and attach it to the person's body, arm for arm, limb for limb, leg for leg, everything, and allow that body to slowly decay and consume and kill that other person through that putrefaction. Wow. That's quite a picture. Yeah. When I am trusting myself that I am able and sufficient in my abilities, in my talents, in my believed goodness, it, it will bring death to my life. From there he goes, O rich man that I am, who shall deliver me about this? It's praise be to the Lord Jesus Christ. He moves on to chapter 8, life in the spirit, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And, he, and you don't, don't find no I anymore. It's life in the Spirit. It is a choice. Every Christian has to come. Now, warfare is always there. But yeah. chapter 7 is not teaching warfare. Yeah. Chapter 7 of Romans is teaching willful defeat by trusting oneself instead mm-hmm. of the Spirit of God. That's what it's teaching. Amen. Amen. And we're hopeful that uh, people who are local will be able to come on out to the conference on Saturday and that they will receive by the Spirit. That's right. All that the Lord intends. Pastor Mario, as we're looking through this course on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the Basic Foundations course, we see that there are three different groups of spiritual gifts. What are those? Uh, the gifts of revelation, the gifts of gifts of power, the gifts of inspiration. Okay. With that in mind, uh, I guess the gifts of revelation are listed for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For instance, uh, Pastor Xavier, as we look at the scripture, what would be a good example of, of the word of knowledge? A word of knowledge deals with God giving you information that there's no way that you would know unless God gave it to you. In other words, let's just say you're here and let's say God wanted to reveal to you for the purposes of his glory and for the benefit of the individual. And he gives you a word of knowledge saying... Um, that man's wife is committed adultery. I'm okay. going I'm being really extreme here, right. to be obvious, okay? Yeah. Now, with that word of knowledge, that's the information that you haven't talked to her, you haven't talked to the husband, no one has told you anything, you haven't received an email, no one has called you. No way, it just comes. Now, you have to examine it and say, Lord, is this of you? Yeah. So I want to speak to God before I speak to man. 
And then I have to say, Lord, what would you have me to do with this word of knowledge? Do I just pray for the individual? Or do I go talk to the individual? Again, it falls upon me right. if it's God. How would you so, differentiate word of knowledge from like word of wisdom? Okay, word of knowledge is the information. Word of wisdom is what I do with that. Oh, okay. Okay? Yeah. So the word of knowledge has to do with information of the past to the present. Wisdom has to do with what you do with that information, the present to the future. The application. Amen. The handling of it responsibly, not arrogantly, not destructively. Um, let's just carry it out. If God wants me to just pray for that individual because God's going to be speaking to them and God's going to be doing a work in both of their hearts in an incredible way to increase their faith and trust in God. Right. And he wants to use me as an instrument of prayer for them and to never let anybody know. God gets the glory. Amen. If God wants me to confront the individual to warn him or whatever. But when I do, if God gives me a word of knowledge about something and I confront that husband, when I talk to him, it's not going to be news. It's going to be confirmation. Okay. Because God will always deal with the individual first. Okay? So because you have a lot of people going around and say, well, the Lord told me to tell you to give me $1,000. The Lord told me to tell you you're going to marry me. Yeah, right. No. If God is giving a word of knowledge, he's not the author of confusion. He's already spoken to this man or this woman about what he tells you to tell them. It will be confirmation to them, not news. Gosh, that's very important. Because, I mean, if somebody comes up to you, and imagine this happens routinely in Pentecostal circles. Of course. Where somebody will come up to you and say, the Lord gave me a word for you, X, Y, and Z. And if the Lord has never spoken to you about that, that's a really excellent way to discern sure, absolutely. what's going on. You know, how many people have gone out into the mission field Mm-hmm. Because someone sto- stood up in a Pentecostal gathering and says, the Lord says you're going to go out, you know, and you're going to go to the here, go there. And the person gets up, sells everything and goes. And he just gets devastated out there. He's never been called. He's never been anointed. He's never been sent by God. But because this fool stood up and misrepresented God, trying to show how spiritual he is, this happens all the time. And you can imagine, Tony, a church that functions like their pastor would function, either by standing on the Word of God, understanding what the true teaching of the Bible uh, teaches on the gifts, and possibly abusing it, the pastor, you know, by, right. by his teaching or uh, teaching correctly. And the confusion and the chaos that would take place within the church, you know, because every individual then begins to mimic their pastor, either by well, wisdom is- and knowledge and or by the confusion and, you know, bringing these uh, ideas into the church itself is just crazy. Yeah. People become quacking ducks. Amen. They just imitate people. So, Like parrots. Would you say then perhaps the word of knowledge and, and wisdom is maybe a more accurate description of sometimes I hear people throw around, oh, the gift of discernment. You know, I was at the gym and the Lord gave me the gift of discernment but, about this person. Well, that, but, that's kind of an abuse of yeah. the gift of discerning of spirits. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's no such gift of discernment. Right. Everybody uses that. Right. There's the gift, like Tony says, of discernment of spirits, meaning evil spirits, plural. Mm-hmm. But there's no discerning a spirit. Sure. What people usually are implying and meaning is that 
uh, I, I, I got a, a wrong sense about him. Maybe a, a check. <laughs> but there's no discerning of spirits. But it's either going to be a word of knowledge, right. a word of wisdom. Right. Either God gives me a word of knowledge, He checks me, or gives me information. Sure. Or on the same basis, because I've been around and I've, I, I'm a human like all others, and I have enough experience. I've been around enough Christians or mm-hmm. this and that. Mm-hmm. That you know, when I speak to somebody, I can get an idea where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, I can also believe. That I that this person is questionable, and then God humbles me and shows sure. me they're not. Sure, sure. So I have to be careful on my impressions Amen. and my emotional sure. perception, if you will. Sure, emotions are emotions. But like you said, that term is thrown around a lot. It's thrown around Dis- all the discernment, time. Discernment, yeah. No such thing. Yeah. No such mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, it's very easy to judge by appearance. And you just need to be careful. Right. You just need to be mm-hmm. in prayer. Right. Like you say, walk in the Spirit. And if God right. is speaking to you about a certain person or a certain situation, it's going to become apparent over time. You know, you don't jump on it immediately. You know, mm-hmm. God's going to lay it on your heart. And it's going to become clear and true. Right. Sure. The whole thing is to stay as close to the Scripture as possible. Like we were talking about tongues. Yeah. You know, speaking in tongues is a supernatural gift. It's not a human language. It's clearly not a human language. Okay? Right. And, 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 and to say that it is, is to contradict the Word of God. Or, or to say that I couldn't help myself. I, I just went home and I was just speaking. I'm in church and I'm speaking in tongues. I can't stop. No. The, the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophet, Paul says. God doesn't just get your tongue and rattle it off. He's decent. He's in order. So now, Pastor Xavier, can we apply that idea, uh, the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets, to any of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Every one of them. Okay. If not, then it's anarchy. Right. It's confusion. You have to. And we do hear that regularly from people in the church who conduct themselves in not out of order. You have a pastor preaching, teaching. Amen. Joe Bloke stands up. He interrupts the pastor. Gives this lengthy <coughs> prophetic utterance. Alright? And then Jack stands up and gives a prophecy, but everybody believes in the interpretation. Well, first of all, if the Spirit of God is upon the pastor teaching, why would God interrupt himself to speak to two other individuals? Good question. Good it's, question. It's, it's a contradiction. Well, it's certainly okay? not decent and in order. It's not decent and in order. It's a yeah. contradiction. Yeah. If the Spirit of God rests upon me to edify and to instruct the saints, why would He interrupt me or interrupt Himself in a way through the work of the Spirit of God? That's right. Oftentimes it starts, begins with a person who wants to bring attention to themselves. Right. And if we read the Scripture, it teaches that the, script, that the gifts were given to benefit all, Amen. not an individual, not to build up the individual, but to build up the body. And the confusion, like Pastor Xavier describes, doesn't bring up the build up the body. It right. bu- it brings confusion. You know, you can imagine a stranger walking into a situation like that. They're going to think, well, you know, these people really are mad. Well, crazy. So, and that's exactly what he says. Mm-hmm. But but in that context, there in Corinthians, he says, "Will not the believer and the uh, the unbeliever and the." Unlearned. Right. Many people don't catch that. Mm-hmm. Okay? The unbeliever is one who's not born again. 
The unlearned is a Christian who is not taught and understand the function and the gifts of the Holy Spirit of God. Both of them are going to conclude these guys are crazy. Yes. So Paul's, I would rather speak five words in known tongue than to utter all these things in in tongues. If I'm teaching from the pulpit, and I can speak English and Spanish. If I have a full English-speaking congregation, and I get out there started on Sunday morning, get out speaking in Spanish, well, they're going to think, well, what's with this guy? It's not going to do them any good. Right. Okay? It's the exact same thing. Amen. So, everything is in order. It, let's just say, I'm teaching. I'm, I'm teaching the Word of God. And if, and if somebody stands up and, and speaks in tongues or, or, or gives up and gives a prophecy, I would ask them to sit down. And then the ushers would take that individual and walk them outside and explain to them why it's wrong. Right. We don't kick them out. Right. We explain to them why it's wrong. And then depending on how they respond to that, but I would, we would instruct them. Now, I'm teaching. I get done. I say, let's pray. And the minute I say, let's pray, that individual stands up and gives the message. Then it's decent and in order. I'm done. Then I listen to it. And I can say, this is of God or not, what direction it's going. How do I know whether it's of God or not? It doesn't add, take away from the Word of God, doesn't contradict the Word of God. Amen. If it's in tongues, it's up to God. I'm waiting there for the interpretation to go up to God. If someone stands up and gives it to the people, I say, that's not the interpretation. Let's wait for the interpretation. Simple. Many times people are uh, afraid to challenge a situation like that of prophecy or whatever because they feel like they're quenching the quenching spirit. The spirit. Yeah. But uh, like Pastor Xavier says, it has to be judged according to Scripture. It can't add when oftentimes it does add, and that's the problem. And, you know, like so many situations in the church, it's that opportunity of reproof that really opens the door for people to learn. That's right. right. And right. it's so important. And when you function and you you administrate those things properly, then the body's edified. They're learning. Yeah, right. You know, if someone stands up and they think God gave them a word of knowledge or probably they stand up and God did and they blew it. Okay, I just say, well, as long as it's decent and normal, we say, well, that wasn't it. Let's just wait on the Lord. Everybody's learning. Amen. We're not going to just grab you with a nap of the neck, slap your head and throw you out. That's not what it's about. No. Amen. But we want you to go. For the profit of the body. You know, when your children start learning, sitting at the table, you know, and they start eating with their hands, you smack them. Hey, dude, don't do that. You get their fork, everything decent in order, and hopefully by the time they're 18, they're not eating with their feet. You know what I mean? Um, that's just the way. The same thing with Christians. You've got to grow. <laughs> now, the, the second group of gifts that we looked at here would be the gifts of power. And those are, again, listed in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, Miracles, healing. Right, right. Miracles and healing. And now, the gift of faith, specifically. Pastor Xavier, how is that different from saving faith? Well, Ephesians 2.89 says that we're saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves, the gift of God. Uh, the, 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 the focus on, in the context in the Greek grammar there is not faith, it's salvation. It's the gift of God, not the faith. Romans 10, uh, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So when I hear the Word of God, God's Word is so powerful that when He allows it to be proclaimed, He illuminates and allows me to understand by His grace and mercy what that message is, my need of God. 
If I believe the revelation of God, then that's biblical faith and I entrust myself. I agree with God. I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. Lord, save me. Forgive me. It's called repentance. Now it becomes active biblical faith. Your faith always has to point you back to the revelation of God. People throw that word around. Well, I got faith. Faith on what? If your faith is not pointing you and standing on the revelation in its context, it's foolishness. Same letter begins with, but it's not faith. So biblical faith always points you back to the revelation. So the gift of salvation, the means to that is faith activated by the proclamation of God's word. The overall source is grace. And so my faith grows as I hear the word of God. And if God gives me the Say I come up and I like like John and 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 Peter were walking to this to the temple. It says uh, that layman says, you know, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Yeah. Well, yeah. sometimes the gifts work in multi multi combination. They they were going there. They pass this guy all the time. Jesus passes this guy all the time. Never healed him. Now at this point, God gives Peter and John a word of knowledge. I'm going to heal him. Word of wisdom, tell him to stand up. Faith to trust him. The gift of miracles. And a healing. Five, an operation that I can think right off hand. That's a lot of gifts at okay? one time. All at simultaneously and in progression. Amen. Pretty okay? amazing. Pretty amazing. amazing. And so the gift of faith would be not saving faith in that context no. in First Corinthians. It would be... Uh, to believe what God is telling you. Right. Amen. To believe what God is telling you He's going to do. And that's important because you can't make yourself believe no. things. No, You know, you can say that you do, and you hear that all the time from the word faith people. You know, just stand up and say that you believe it and it'll happen. Mm. But that's not the case. That, right. That's right. That would be very difficult in that situation to take those steps... When you know you don't have those abilities Absolutely. to heal someone or whatever, right. it actually is the gift of faith, and that is clearly seen in that example. Yeah. It's fascinating. And, you know and, I mean? and sometimes we see where the, the faith was not of the individual. When that young when that young man was brought, and they tore up the roof and lowered him down. Right. And, and Jesus says, "You know, your sins are forgiven." And and Jesus read their hearts and said, "The blasphemy." He says that you may know they have power. To forgive sins, what is easier, to say your sins will be forgiven or take up your bed and walk? Mm -hmm. Well, the more difficult really is to forgive sin. Yes. Okay? But on the earthly level, the, the more difficult is something that you can be witnessed and seen visibly. Right. So he says, so that you may know I have the greater power of forgiving sin. I'm going to show you, I'm going to prove that authority by telling this man to be healed and get up. Amen. Mm -hmm. He provided evidence of the miraculous. Now, the faith in that context was not of the man coming down. The faith was not of those who were in the room. The faith were of the four friends that lowered him. Then at other times, it was the man's faith, the woman, with the issue of blood. Your faith has made you whole. Other times, Jesus just healed him sovereignly. So the context is going to dictate whose faith it was. And how God does it. Pastor Xavier, with reference to the gifts of healing, it's interesting the way that it is uh, put in the scripture in the plural. Gifts of healing. Right, right. Why is it in that way? Possibly for different individuals. That God could give a certain individual 
an ability of gifts for healing in a certain area, maybe okay. cancer, mm -hmm. maybe whatever it may be, because it's plural. So God is sovereign. I've often wondered if it wasn't because there are situations where God chooses to heal people and others where he obviously doesn't. And we see that all the time. I mean, we pray for people all the time that for healing on their behalf, and we don't really get to see that physical healing the way it's described in yeah. Scripture. Yeah. Sometimes I know we've gone to the hospital. I've prayed for people for healing, and the Lord's taken them home. And yeah. I, I, personally, I believe that that's the Lord's healing sure. in their life. You know, sure. he's, he's taking them into his presence, which is yeah. the, the greatest possible healing. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Is there that story with Chuck where there was a family and their son, he... he hurt his finger really badly and he came over to pray that they wouldn't have to amputate and they right. did and he was really bummed that he felt like he had failed like he didn't have faith or something you know? well actually the lord actually that's an amazing story that's when yeah chuck was pastoring in arizona the lord told chuck that uh -huh. he was going to heal right. the boy okay and he told the, the boy's mother it's okay god's going to heal him he told me it's going to be fine uh -huh. and then the the uh, reattached finger fell off. Okay, and so he, you know, obviously everybody kind of flipped out. Right? Yeah, yeah. But what happened? Yeah. Well, the, uh, if I remember correctly, I think the the finger began to grow over back. time. It, yeah, it, did. it grew back. <laughs> now, <laughs> there, those are miracles. Amen. Sure, absolutely. Th that's 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 not a healing. That's a miracle. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting as you look in the New Testament, uh, there was never mm -hmm. any um, time lapse to the miracles. They, they they took place when Jesus proclaimed them. I mean, they were Amen. they happened, you know. Amen. So, mm -hmm. and you take the man that uh, with the the one man that was seen, and he saw like trees, and then Jesus and then put mud on his eyes, this and that. So, so he did it progressive too. So instantly progress. So God is sovereign; He does as He wills. Pastor X, does God heal people that don't deserve to be healed? Absolutely. All the time. Huh? My dad, my, my father got, had cirrhosis of the liver. He had a hole in his liver at Rancho Los Amigos. And God healed him of that hole as a non-believer. Wow. Okay? As wow. a non-believer. Wow. God does what he wills. My father came to the Lord years after that. So God can do, I mean, what are we to tell God he can't? You know? Mm -hmm. Look at Nahum, the leopard. Yes. He's a pagan. God will heal him white as snow. <laughs> you know, just cleanse him completely. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And why does God not heal certain individuals? Sometimes we don't know, do we? We, we always don't know. Wouldn't you say? I mean, when do we know yeah. something for sure in, the, in that realm? Yeah. Well, there are times where you can look at a situation and you connect the dots and you say, wow, it's amazing how God did this and this. But you're right. The reality is yeah. we really don't know. He's sovereign. Whatever he does, he does for his glory. Whatever he does, he does in relationship to faith and trust in him. And sometimes God just sovereignly says, you know, it's just your time to go home. And it's Amen. okay. Amen. He's just. God has his purposes. Yes. Amen. You know, Pastor Xavier, we've got a lot more uh, uh, information to cover. And perhaps we could come back again next week and continue on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Talk about some yes. of these issues Very and, important. and dig into it. I know we want to uh, take a moment here at the end of our broadcast and encourage people uh, here in the United States as we have a big election coming up. We want to encourage believers to be responsible in their community and to be registered to vote, to be available. Now, we don't want to tell people who to vote for or what circumstances. I do. <laughs> well, you're very bold. 
but it's so important for believers to be an example in their community, to be registered to vote, to step out, and to be faithful in that way. Yes. And if you don't know Jesus, call on his name. He died for you. He loves you. He's the only one who can forgive you of your sins and give you eternal life. God bless you. You've been listening to Keep It Simple with your host, Pastor Xavier Reese on Simple Truths Radio. We hope today's broadcast has informed, encouraged, and challenged you in your own personal walk with Christ. For more information regarding Simple Truths Radio Ministries or Calvary Chapel Pasadena, please visit calvarychapelpasadena.com. We hope you'll be back for our next discussion, and may God richly bless your day.